Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Does the word accountability inspire you toward greatness or fill you with dread? Today on episode 20 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Sam Silverstein. Sam wants to introduce you to the highest form of leadership for yourself and your organization, accountability. Let's talk about the benefits and how-tos for taking ownership of your actions, a key premise of personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. I used to be in a church men's group where we called ourselves accountability partners. Actually, the group was called Iron Men because iron sharpens iron. And so us accountability partners, we would ask each other the same set of questions each week about how well we fulfilled our roles as husbands, fathers, employees, and some other questions on how well we stayed true in living our faith in God. The last question was, did you lie about any of your answers? Because what's the point of an accountability group if you aren't transparent in your answers? Now, I build accountability into every mastermind or group coaching experience that I facilitate. As there's power in sharing commitments and how well we keep our promises to each other. But even better is each of us keeping ourselves accountable without any external force to report to. My guest today, Sam Silverstein. Here's a little bit about Sam. Accountability keynote speaker, Sam Silverstein's mission is to empower people to live accountable lives, transform the way they do business, and I really love this, to thrive at extraordinary levels. Yes, I want to do that every day. By challenging leaders to shift priorities, cultivate an organizational culture based on accountability, and inspire both individuals and teams to take ownership in fresh and results-producing ways, he's helping companies dramatically increase productivity, profitability, and growth. Ding, ding, ding. Sam believes that accountability is the highest form of leadership. As a former executive and owner, Sam's manufacturing and distribution companies sold over $100 million in products and services. He successfully sold one of his businesses to a Fortune 500 company. Today, Sam writes, speaks, and consults with organizations around the globe to think differently, work with renewed purpose, and achieve record-breaking results. As a keynote speaker, Sam challenges audiences to discover and reach their best selves. He helps leaders build accountability throughout their organization. Sam works with entrepreneurs, multinational companies, corporations, and government agencies to drive increased engagement and productivity. And Sam is a member of the Speaker's Hall of Fame. I was blessed to hear him speak at a national convention a few years ago, and I'm very much looking forward to interviewing him today. Welcome, Sam. Well, thank you so much, Paul. You are too kind. It is a pleasure to be here. 28 years of being a professional speaker, right? Yeah, actually, I think, I think, uh, I think this month it ticks over to 29, but who's counting? (laughs) That is phenomenal. Oh, and among other recognitions in the speaker's hall of fame, just congratulations. That is just amazing. Thank you. Well, who inspired you, Sam? What, what led you into the speaking business? 
fascinating question and story. Um, you know, I believe we all have a unique purpose, but we haven't necessarily discovered what that unique purpose is. Our unique purpose is what brings us joy in the service of others. Our mission is our, our purpose in action. And I was uh, involved with a manufacturing firm, and, and we manufactured windows and doors. It was a family business, and, and we were just moving along and doing good things. And I started uh, following a, a, a sales speaker slash trainer named Tom Hopkins, who, um, you know, was, was pretty much at the top of that field. And I just loved watching what, what he was doing. And like most of us, you know, at some point in time, I kind of thought, you know, I could do that. And um, Tom told me his career took off when he wrote his first book. Well, you know, all of a sudden I'm noticing people are coming up to me all the time, thanking me for advice. And quite frankly, Paul, I didn't even remember having the conversation with him in the first place. <laughs> but I started thinking, if I, can act pe- if I can impact people in a positive way without trying, what would happen if I tried? <laughs> and so that's when I really connected with with my purpose to help people discover their potential and be the best they can possibly be. That's when I decided I would write my first book. And that's when I started to speak. So the book and the speaking were, were hand in hand. It sounds like. Absolutely. And it, my writing continues to drive my speaking. So 12 books later, um, you know, I'm, I'm still very actively pursuing that because it's in that writing process for me that really, I discover so much and it gives me what I need to be able to share with audiences and always up my game because everyone else is always upping their game, right? We all want to be better. Right. I heard when I was just peeking into the speaking industry, you need either write a book or have a doctorate. Those are the two things that you needed to build credibility. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and uh, I don't know that I was going to, I probably have a PhD in those 12 books, but, uh, <laughs> but um, I don't know that there's a university out there that's willing to put that cap and gown on me that, you know, it's like uh, um, my school days were another story altogether, but I just, you know, I love the message of accountability. I love researching it. I love seeing it in action. I love helping people step it out, not only individually in their lives, but leaders and organizations helping build accountable organizations and helping to build accountable communities. Cause our mission is to build a more accountable world. Yeah, there probably is a dissertation embedded in all that. It appears that your favorite audience to speak to are as leaders, right? Why is leadership so vital nowadays more than ever? Well, everything rises and falls on leadership. My favorite quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you set me up for that. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll send you the 20, I promise, later. Um, yeah, no, yeah. It, it, it Look. If there's a problem in the organization, there's a problem with leadership. I don't care. You you come up with any problem. I defy anybody. Come up with a problem that doesn't go back to leadership. I had mm-hmm. a speech a few years ago, and uh, I'm speaking after lunch, and I get in the room mid-morning because I want to hear the conversation of what's going on. And um, and there's, there's four guys on a panel up on the stage, and one guy says, the problem is not at senior leadership. The problem is at, at, at the mid-level. We know what to say. We have the marketing department and the people telling us what to say. It's the mid-level that doesn't know what to do. That's where the problems show up. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Because if you have a problem at mid-level leadership, then you hired the wrong people. You didn't train them properly. You let them stay when they shouldn't have stayed. I mean, it still goes back to senior leadership. Yep. And so 
it's it's this shirking of the responsibility and pointing the finger someplace else that um, that drives me nuts. And so that's why accountability is so powerful. It's not a way of doing; it's a way of thinking. Accountability is not tactical; it's relational. And one of your key messages in that is self leadership. That concept of my people can't get better if I, as a leader, am not getting better. Talk to us more about that. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to correct you. Pardon me, as I want to be a good guest. I you'll never hear me say self leadership. I don't believe there is such a thing. Okay. And the reason is. Because to be a leader, you need a follower. Leadership is about other people. So it's about personal development, personal growth, being the best we can be. But I, when when people call it self-leadership, it concerns me because they I, I'm concerned that they don't really understand the depth of the responsibility, the awesome responsibility that comes with leadership. Leadership is every time, always and forever about the people we lead. It's about helping them making sure that the people we lead, that we're responsible for, are safe and successful. That's our responsibility as a leader. And so to do that, though, and what I believe you were getting at is I have to be my best self because, Paul, I can't give you what I don't have. Right. And and so if I want you to be better, I've got to be better. If I want to help you up your game, I've got to up my game. And so I see all the time people go off to leaders, go to these leadership conferences, and they think it's about them, and it's not. It's at the conference, what can you learn that you can take back and give to someone to help them be better? That's how you leverage the return on investment of going to that conference. So true. You mentioned uh, a leader's main job is to set the people up, the environment up for being safe and successful. I, that reminds me of Patrick Lencioni's book, um, The Advantage, where he said in there, it's like the number one job of a leader is to create a healthy environment for people to thrive. I had never heard that before until I read it several years ago. And I went, hmm, I've never heard that before, but I so believe it. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that safe and successful obligation well, and, of a leader. And Patrick's on, certainly he's on track with that because many times I'll say, you know, leader's number one priority is 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 to protect and defend the culture. It's the culture that is either going to be a safe, uh, nurturing environment or it's going to be caustic. And, and when I say safe, I'm talking in, in duality, not just physically safe. That's right. important. I'm talking emotionally safe, meaning that uh, there isn't bias, meaning that my voice is heard, meaning that it doesn't matter what I look like, how I dress. Uh, where I came from, where my degree is from. Because if if you're making judgments on me because of those things, then it is not safe. I'm not free to speak up. I'm not free to share. And when that happens, then we start cutting down on our creativity and our innovation. So accountability, what I've discovered is this, quite frankly, accountability is not something you mandate. Accountability is something you inspire. You inspire it through the culture. It all comes back to the workplace culture. And that is the responsibility of the leader. The leader cannot pass that off, cannot delegate it. Now, you you can have a team of people executing on things to help make sure that culture is thriving, but it's going back to the leader. And it's all eyes back on the leader. Ah, so good. And in your experience, how much time does a typical leader spend on culture building, culture reinforcing, 
culture, developing culture, rewarding. What's what's your what's been your experience? Not enough. Mm-hmm. Not enough. You know, I, I couldn't quantize quantify that for you in in hours or days. Right. But look, we work with a lot of organizations. We have yep. an assessment tool called the Accountability Index that allows us to actually look deep into a workplace culture and see what's going on in that culture. And we can actually measure accountability based on 10 indices inside of an organization. Um, We can see what's working and what's not. So the question is, why are some companies off the charts when it comes to accountability, off the charts when it comes to employee engagement, off the charts when it comes to uh, attraction and retention of the best people? And why are other companies turnstiles? People come and go, they don't stay, you're always training, no one's happy. Um, not saying they don't make a profit, not saying they don't make money, but they have not created they have not created a destination workplace. What's the difference between the two? Well, the difference between the two is the leadership's attention and value of that culture. And and saying they value the culture, saying the culture is important, that's that's just lip service. The question comes back to what you said, how much time? What are they doing? They need to be actively engaged with that. And if they're not, they're missing the boat because what we've always discovered is those companies that nail the culture, their profits exceed anything that they would have put down for their best, wildest dreams year. They even do better than that because people are motivated to want to be their best and not let you down. Yeah, in an age where people are jumping for a dollar an hour more somewhere else, uh, I really appreciate it. So it's a destination workplace. It sounds like you would advocate that it's the culture that's keeping the people engaged and making them want to stay. Oh, 100 percent. And, 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 and more than that, look, it came out in the, uh, you know, and it timely, it came out yesterday. Uh, there was an article that productivity, worker productivity was down 7.5%, mm. um, 7.5% drop in productivity. Now, you know, that shows up on the bottom line. You can't hide that. Well, that's, that's average. That's average. So what does that say? That says, well, at Joe's company, it might be down 12%, but at, <laughs> At Mary or Tom or Susan's company, it might only be down 3%. Or at Paul's, it could be up 1.7%. Um, so, so what happens is you create a place that people want to be or they don't. Now, you could say, well, you know, I pay my people to do their job. And that's great. You know, I don't want to work for that person. I want to work for someone who cares about me yes. and who I know cares about me. It's if you, if, if I'm just doing it because you're paying then back to your example, Paul, you know, someone's going off, you know, Mary across the street offer me another 75 cents. I'm out of here. You want a situation where people would rather die than let you down, where they will go to the mat for you, where they will go back to back in a dark alley and fight for the success of the organization. And the only reason people are willing to do that, and they are, is because they know first that you, the leader, are willing to do that for them. And that's our responsibility as a leader. The leader that's focused on the bottom line first makes money but never creates that environment. The leader that focuses on the people then empowers all the people to focus on the bottom line. They make more money and they create a better place to work. 
You got me riled, Paul. You got yeah, we, me riled. We could be done right now. This was it was a pleasure having you and see you. No, I mean this is this is good stuff. You're describing discretionary effort to a T, right? In companies where where people are just punching their time card and that that's about it, they would not give any more time to a leader that they don't feel cares about them or is trying to create this great place to work. But discretionary effort, when you see that, to me, when I'm in companies and I see that, I'm like, ah, leader's doing something right here. <laughs> so I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I'm, I'm up in South Dakota doing a program and the program had about 300 uh, CEOs in the room. So it was all leaders, you know, instead of a leadership team from a company helping them, it was just all leaders. Okay. And uh, I said in the room, I said, look, if someone's not living your values, you can't let them stay in the organization or they're not your values. And if someone's not living the values that you've identified, you cannot let them stay in the organization or those are not your values. Mm -hmm. And that's fact. And so the leader says, well, I can't afford to let people go. It's hard to find good people. I can't find enough people. I said, really? I said, okay. Then I had a conversation a couple of weeks later with a CEO in Lubbock, Texas, who I knew intimately and had case studied the business. Now you need to know that this organization with unemployment at zero in their market, in their industry, when they have a job opening, they get between 40 and a hundred applicants. Oh. So unemployment is zero and they're getting 40 to 100 applicants. Now I asked him, I said, I, I told him about the guy up in uh, South Dakota. I said, what do you say to a guy like that? And he says, well, maybe you haven't built a company good enough to attract those people. Word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really easy to blame the economy. It's real easy to you know, we're in a small market, you know, or we're in a big market, or we have lots of competition, or you can come up with all the excuses in the world. But the reality is, there are great organizations, and there are those that aren't. There are great places to work, and that those that aren't. It's never the product or the service, it's the people, and the people in leadership are the ones that determine the direction that you're going as an organization. They're the ones that determine whether accountability is going to be present or not, because they've accepted or haven't, there's the, the commitment to be accountable to their people. Very excited to be talking about this topic with accountability with you. Out of all the topics which you could niche, how did you land on accountability? Because, you know, you listen to all sorts of leadership speakers and uh, many other ways to build a business. You found like, this is it. This is the key. How did you land on that? I'd been... I'd been writing and speaking for, I don't know, about 12 or 13 years and on a variety of subjects from sales to marketing, to personal development, to relationship building, to strategic planning. I mean, I have a, a BBA in accounting and finance. I have an MBA. I've owned businesses. I had all this background, but nobody really knew what I, what I did and they couldn't even recommend me. And so I, I sat back and I said, what is at the very core of what I believe and what can transform an individual and an organization. And it was in that moment that I, I came up with, with a, a speech and a book titled No More Excuses. Now, I didn't know what I had at that time. I didn't understand the difference between tactical commitments and relational commitments, that, it, that you're responsible for things, but you're accountable to people. But, but as I wrote that book and it became apparent that it was all about accountability, 
that's what put my blinders on. Then as I started working on it, then it started flowing to me. And all of a sudden I gained greater clarity. Every time I wrote a book, I was going deeper, deeper, deeper down a very narrow slice accountability. And so there is nothing. I don't pick something you want to be better at in an organization. I can connect it back to accountability organizations that are incredibly high when it comes to accountability are always going to outperform. They're going to outperform in internal relationships, in engagement, in productivity. They're going to outperform in the amount of communication that's going on in the business. They're going to outperform in customer experience. They're going to outperform in creativity. They're going to outperform in the ability to change. They are going to outperform. And I can show that time and time again. It's beyond me why a leader wouldn't just like go all in and commit to this because this is what can transform an organization to make it truly great. Yeah. And like you said, I don't understand why a leader wouldn't do that. Is it just ignorance? You think like they just haven't heard this message or it hasn't connected to them? Or do you think it's laziness? Like, man, it's going to be a lot of work. I don't know if I want to go there or is it because I'm, I'm a nice leader. And so I want to be viewed as nice. Well, is it a combination of those things? It's a combination of, of all those and uh, um, yes, I, I believe that it's, here's where it comes down to. One, leader doesn't, look, you and I don't know what we don't know, okay? Mm-hmm. There's just stuff that we don't know that we don't know um, until you, you know, it's like someone that grows up with an outhouse in the backyard. First time they see indoor plumbing, it's like, oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> you and I didn't grow up that way, okay? But someone did. Um, it's the same if you don't know that a company can be like this, if you don't know that people can care that way. And then some people are just, some leaders are just more focused on, on um, shareholder return than on, on people. And they shouldn't be in that position. Um, And some, they don't realize some, some leaders are weak. They're scared. They're afraid to stand up for what they say they believe. Um, There's, there's a whole host of things. And, you know, we can talk about, we can certainly we can get into those, but a lot of time a leader thinks they're doing it when they're not. They think they care about the people, but they don't know what really caring about people is. Um, it's, it's it's like a friend of my daughter's, her brother passed away. And the last thing the person she reported to said on when this girl was leaving the office to go home for this funeral, a girl in her 20s at the time, the last thing the leader said is, how soon do you think you'll be back? I mean, come on, is that this is an organization that says family first? Well, that's a, that's a pile of crap. They don't believe that. How do I know they don't believe it? Well, because of what he said. Yep. So, you know, people just need to people need the opportunity. Leaders need to see that there's other ways of doing things. And those leaders that are open to that, that want to be better, that go, I don't care how good we are, we can get better. Those are the people I want to work with because they're always open to new ideas. They're always open to evaluating what's going on and seeing how they can tweak. Yeah. So how would a leader find that? I'm going to guess, go to conferences, go to seminars, read books, uh, get with people who are, have achieved something that you have not achieved yet. Would you, would you concur that these are a lot of different ways for leaders who are open listening to a podcast like this? Those would be your action items. Absolutely. It all starts with a question. How can we be better? How can we be better? And then hearing something, an idea or concept or a belief that goes, that makes sense. And you know, it's like anything else. The teacher appears when you're ready. 
And so some people aren't ready, but then others will go, oh my gosh, this is it. We need you. We, we want you to come in and work with our organization. What does this entail? And so that's what starts generating that, that conversation. I had, a, I had a long conversation around values. Um, I was in a community doing an accountability roundtable, which is our way of giving back. And uh, after the program, someone came up and values are at the base of a lot of this. And we're going to, we can talk about values in depth after our break, but it's, he came up and he said, we don't have any values. Can you help us with that? Well, yeah, I, we can help you with that. And we did. And we transformed their organization through their values and through their culture. So it's someone just going, yes, that's the missing piece. That's what I want to explore. Values are so huge. I was facilitating a group where uh, one of the leaders like, oh, this mission, vision, and values crap. You know, it's like, I want to blah, blah, blah. And then he went off and my heart just fell. I'm like, that person is not open uh, and nor are they leading with intentionality. Um, And I just wonder how their culture is behind closed doors. I was just really disheartened by it. Yeah. They have a terrible culture. If you don't know what your values are, you can't have a great culture. Then you have a culture default, not a culture by design. So true. Well, I think we're going to put a quick pause button here and uh, we're going to start heading to a break. You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can connect with me on my website, growingforwardservices.net. And my guest, Sam Silverstein, on his website, samsilverstein.com. We'll be right back after the break. We're going to talk about how do you take ownership? Let's talk about these values. Let's talk about how to inspire accountability in your culture. Stick with us. We'll be right back. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry teams team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more, and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back. I'm here with Sam Silverstein. I mispronounced his name for like half the show, and I apologize, Sam. Oh, you don't, man. You're a rock star. Can't mis- mispronounce a rock star's name. <laughs> we have been talking about accountability and let's talk about what taking ownership looks like for an individual. So this is here anywhere in the company, 
In fact, just in life, right? No matter what position, what industry, what does that look like? Taking ownership. Well, ownership comes down to being responsible for the decisions and choices that you make. So remember I said earlier, you're responsible for things, you're accountable to people. Yeah. So I, 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 when you ask me about taking ownership, it's, it's that responsibility. It's responsibility to do the things that you say you're going to do, tactical, um, and regardless of the outcome, I'm not putting things off on someone else. So it's like the guy shows up to late to cut my hair. Sorry, I'm late, Sam. I got a ticket on the way to work. Is that ownership? I don't think so. He's, it's like blaming the cop, you know, sorry, I'm late. There's traffic. Um, do you usually come in at this time today? Yeah. Is there usually traffic? Yeah. Well, I left late. Oh, okay. Now we got down to the real deal. Now we're taking ownership. Um, the reason he got a ticket is because he left late and he was rushing. It's him. It's not the cop. It's not the traffic. Now things happen. Life happens. But, but people tend to not want to take ownership. And we see leaders. We see government leaders. It's sad. When something's not going right, they're always pointing the finger at someone else, name calling, uh, demeaning people. No, you know what? I messed up. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to get it right. And it's not going to happen again. That's true leadership. And true leaders take ownership and they're transparent and, 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 and they own it. They just own it. And you love to be with people like that. Who doesn't want to work with someone and for someone Who's, who's going to own what it is that they did, good or bad. And you know what? The best leaders, what they own the bad, but they give away the good. The best leaders will go, man, you know, oh, we couldn't have done this without Paul. And, and, and the best leaders will go, we came up short. I underestimated the amount of resources that we needed to apply to this situation. They own it. That's ownership. That's ownership. And that's that's really great leadership. And unfortunately, we see too many examples in the world around us of, of poor to mediocre to lousy leadership. Yeah, it just sounds like it's the opposite, like your book title, but excuses are the opposite of taking ownership. Uh, one speaker said, excuses are the exit ramps of life. Like you, you're getting off the freeway when you're making an excuse. It seems like there's a, a pandemic of excuse making nowadays uh, in, in many different ways. Have you seen and, that as well? Yeah. And people buy that stuff. They mm -hmm. listen to it. Why would you continue to support someone, whether it's an elected official or your boss, Who's always making excuses? Who's always pointing the finger? Who's 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 who who positions herself or himself as being perfect, and everyone else is less than? No one's perfect. We know that. And so, why do we want to be associated with people like that? Um, I, you know, I don't want to get political, and I'm not I'm not pointing at sides. But I, unfortunately, but. People have said I am an accountability expert, so I'm going with that. I've been quoted as that. And I'm going to tell you that regardless of side, um, when leaders are pointing the finger at someone else, when they're saying, oh, so-and-so messed up, they messed up, they messed up, this happened, and they're not taking it on themselves, they're a lousy leader. And I don't care if they're in my party or not. I'm not voting for a lousy leader. I'll, I'll support a great leader whose opinion is different than mine before I'm going to support a lousy leader who says their opinion is the same as mine. 
But to me, that's important. This is the world I live in. And I see the results long term. Yeah. Yeah. They might think, oh, it's going to be bad optics if I apologize or say it was my bad. And yet you and I, we're going to vote for that person who says my bad. I was wrong. I take responsibility for that, which I haven't heard in a politician in mm, decades. Yeah. Decade, literally decades. Yeah. Right. Once or, I, once or twice. You've heard it a couple of times. But yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. And the same politics, business life, it's all the same. Yep. Look. There's the there's the law of two feet. You just point your two feet in a direction and go that way. And so, look, the most when I'm speaking at mid-level leadership in an organization, the most common question I get asked is, well, that's all fine. You know, I get the values idea, but what happens when my boss isn't doing it? Now, think about that. You know, and this is mid-level, not not at the top, right. at mid-level. Right. And so they don't have, you know, the senior leader has the authority and the power. Mid-level, their power is, is determined by the senior level. And I said, yep. well, you have two choices. I said, you can work real hard and create the best environment, the best culture in your area of control. In other words, yep. identify what your area of control is. And really drive those values, create that culture in your area of control. But at the end of the day, if what above you is caustic, negative, you know, there's two problems in business today. We 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 don't let we don't fire people fast enough, people that aren't living the culture. We don't fire companies fast enough, meaning leave the company and go someplace that isn't that way. Now I realize, Hey, we got to put food on the table. We have kids to feed and all that. I'm not saying just walk out at noon, but plan it, go research it. The information's out there. Go find an organization that values people that really gets into creating that type of a workplace that, that, that is, is, is inspiring accountability and go there. Enough people leave a company. Guess what? Something's going to happen and they're going to have to make changes leadership changes. Thanks for bringing this up, Sam, because I get asked all the time by middle middle managers, which is a little bit more my niche, are those folks in the middle that are aspiring, they're moving up in their organization, and now they bump up against this lid. I think John Maxwell calls it the law of the lid, right? Where the where that, that top leader is, is putting a lid on people's creativity and continuous improvement because they're not growing in their personal leadership development. And so they're bumping up against that. And they're like, what do I do? What do I do in these situations? And you're being real frank, like I would start my exit planning right now, go to a place that will appreciate pushing through those ceilings and saying, no, I want everyone to thrive in this organization. Yeah, exactly. So my, my youngest daughter is a, is a doctor and, um, she she just finished a fellowship and so now she's taking a a permanent position you know and and she's debating between two or three locations and one of them is incredibly prestigious and uh one of them she really it's it's not that it's not good but it's just not quite the same but she connected with the person that she's going to be working with and reporting to as a physician and 
he's already taken her under his wing and set this up and positioned her for that. And, and she came to me and is like, this guy is going to be a great mentor. Well, yeah, that's what you want. And so you could have the, the line item on your resume that you worked for X, Y, Z, but at the end of the day, you know, why, if you, and you're miserable, that's, that's no good. You want to be associated with people that care about you. They're looking to help you succeed. It creates a whole different experience. It does. It does. And I have left organizations uh, for just that, for just that reason. And I uh, was way happier on the other side. When you're in it, you're like, oh, you know, the golden handcuffs is going to keep me here. But if you're miserable, that just it seems like you're not going to be living out your purpose. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for just shooting straight with us on that, because it is crucial to your joy in life. If you're exactly. a, if you're a, exactly. if you're a leader, and that's yeah, important. Mm-hmm. It is. It's vital. So if you're in a leadership position, I'm going to say even in leadership of your own family, right? Even though it's a business podcast, no matter if you have influence anywhere and you want to start creating this accountability culture, how would you encourage, I'll put that in air quotes, encourage or inspire a better word, people around you to take ownership of their choices? You know, I want a positive powerful, sustainable culture, whether it's in my family, my business, my community, my world, is either culture by design or culture by default. Oh, yep. So culture by a culture is just what's accepted and what's repeated. You know, it's just if if the doors are unlocked at nine and people show up when they show up, you know, some people show up at nine, some show up at 905, 907, 910. That's, they just show up when they show up. That's the culture. Now, that, that could be fine. That could not be that, you know, I, but whatever's accepted and repeated is the culture. So you either have a culture by default, which is anything goes. Paul acts how Paul wants to Sam acts how Sam wants to Mary acts how Mary wants to, or you have a culture by design and a culture by design starts off being defined by the values. And, and I feel like this is, you know, as individuals, we need to know what our values are. Uh, certainly a family is going to connect to a set of values and absolutely a business connects to a set of values. So it's not about having great values. It's about having a great value set. And what we've discovered over the years is there's four specific areas that your value set needs to attach to or cover. We need foundational values. Those values talk to our character or the character of the organization We need professional values. Those values talk about what is excellence here, either for me individually, what is excellence or an organization. There's relational values. How do we connect with people? And in a business, there's internal relational values and external relational values, and they're not the same. They can be connected, but you have to look at it totally different because if you don't I see too many companies that focus on external relationships, customer service, and they don't take care of their internal relationships. And you can never give your customer or your client a better experience than your people are having internally. So companies that don't master relationships internally never master um, uh, customer service. They never master accountability because you're not going to be accountable to someone you don't like. And then the fourth area, there are um, 
community values? How do you connect with and support the community in which you live or do business? Um, and there's there's some pretty good ways of going through this. I actually have a free worksheet at valuesworksheet.com. So if someone goes to valuesworksheet.com, they can download the free PDF and it'll step you through creating a set of values. And then, then, then the question is, once you've identified these values, do you live them to the level of absolute? I call them non-negotiable core values. A non-negotiable core value is a positive standard, respects the rights of others, and is absolute. And that's what your values have to be, because if you're not absolute, it's not a value. So I could tell you, well, I value honesty. But maybe I didn't tell the truth about why I was late to the meeting this morning. Well, then I'm I'm a liar. I could be honest. I could tell the truth 10 times. But one time I don't tell the truth. I'm a liar. And so there is this black and white absolute. And this is difficult. And a leader needs to have the courage to say, these are our values and we are going to live them no matter what. And, and, and that means your number one salesperson could be disrespecting people. And if you've modeled the values, if you've trained, if you've coached a person up and they don't change, you have to let that person go. Because if you don't let that person go, then you're telling everyone else in the company, values don't apply if you can produce. Well, then you don't have, then you have a culture by default, not a culture by design. So what type of culture do you want in your family? What kind of culture do you want in your business? It's all right there. You can have it, but you have to have the courage to identify what you believe and then stay with it. And what's cool about that is once you've come up with these values as a leader, even if you're more shy as a leader or you're still building your confidence in leadership, the values become the bad guy when you have to have this difficult conversation, not the bad guy, but you know what I mean? Like you can say, this is the standard we've all agreed to when you were hired, or you even helped us develop these values together. And now you're not living the value. And I'm sorry, no, we're not, we're not a good fit, right? The values exactly. become the, the, the standard. Exactly. So what happens, the values are the ground rules. There's what, why, and how um, the, what is the mission? The why is, is the purpose and the, how are the values? It's how you operate. This is how we do yep. it here at Paul and Sam Inc. This is how we do it. And yep. you, you don't have to know anything about podcasts or speaking or consulting. You got to be able to live the values. We can teach you everything else. Okay. But if you can't live the values, it doesn't matter how good you are at whatever the product or services that we do. And so that's where it starts. Now, here's the interesting thing. Once you've taken the time to really identify a great set of values, and it's not just words, there's got to be a narrative around it that explains it. Because you can say, well, uh, values, integrity. Well, that's great. Well, integrity could mean something different to you than to me. There yep. needs to be like two or three or four sentences that explains exactly what that is. And now what you've done in essence is you've made every decision you ever need to make. You're just waiting for the facts to present themselves. Committing to those values means you've made your decisions. You're just waiting for the situation and the facts to apply those values to. Great stuff, Sam. Great stuff. One, one thing I noticed in your um, on your website where you said 
The main thing in joining the accountability movement is what we believe about people. Can you can you break that down a little bit for us? So we don't have enough time for this. This is like three hours. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Accountability is keeping your commitments to people. Yes. Commitments no matter what. Yep. Now, there's tactical commitments and relational commitments. Tactical commitments, I'll be there too. I'll have the sales report done. I'll clean out the garage. I'll nail the picture up. Those are all tactical stuff. Those are responsibilities. Your job description is a list of responsibilities. If you're not doing that stuff, you should be fired, period. There's Why pay someone if they're not doing their job? Now, accountability is keeping your commitments to people, relational commitments. And so the relational commitments are... For example, there's 10 of them. I'll give you a few. A commitment to live the values, a commitment to the truth, a commitment to lead people to their potential to be their best, a commitment to it's all of us, which means if you fail, I fail. And only when you succeed, do I succeed. You ever hear a leader that, you know, turns it around the other way? I mean, I do all the time. Um, A commitment to a good name. So these are, are relational commitments. They're all about valuing people. If you don't value people, then what happens is you'll never be accountable to them. If I don't value people, then I'm going to treat you different than the next person. Well, the, you know, what's her name over there? The hemline's a little bit shorter. I'm going to be a little nicer to her. Well, that means and not only do I not value her, but I don't value someone else. If I value people, I value people, period. Doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, where your degree is. How many times have you seen someone? Oh, well, they went to Harvard, you know, Um, nothing against Harvard, but I I got news for you. I know plenty of people that went to the University of Phil in the state that are just as smart as people went to Harvard. I'm, I'm not coming down on anyone that went to Harvard. I'm just saying that if you if you're making decisions based on things like that, you might not be valuing people. And so when you really value people, what happens when you value something? You take care of it. You take care of it. Well, you got that new car and you value it. What do you do? Well, you wash it and you wax it and you you rub it down and you you put it in the garage and you you don't ride, you don't drive when the roads are wet and you cover it and keep the sun off of it so the the paint lasts longer. This, you know, when you have a bag of gold, what do you do? You put it in the bank, you put it in a safety deposit box, you value it, you protect it. Well, if you value people, protect your people, take care of them, put them in a position that they will be safe and they will succeed. And when you value people, you're going to drive accountability through the roof. So when an employee of a company says, I don't feel valued by my employer or by my company, by default, you're saying, that they they're not show, they're not demonstrating that value by some decision that they're making on a daily basis. Exactly. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like you don't have a voice at the table. You don't get to express your opinion. No one seeks your opinion. No one brings you into the conversation. Look, we did a values we did a values discovery with a client and you know, we work with clients with six employees. We work with clients with 16,000 employees. We work with clients of all sizes. This particular company had 23 people, three executives. They wanted to do a values discovery, discover what their values were. 
And, and they said, okay, let's set up a time when Sue, Mary, and myself can meet with you, Sam. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those were the three executives. I said, no, no, it doesn't work that way. I said, you only have 23 people. Let's bring them all into the conversation. And the leader said, wow, I never thought about that. Now, to his credit, first of all, he's bringing us in to help him with the values discovery. He just hadn't thought about that. He just thought the leadership would do it and move on. And I said, you know, quite frankly, if we don't bring all 23 people in, I'm not going to do this project. You know, it's not because I know that it's, it's not going to work. And he says, no, 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 no. That's a great idea. Let's do that. Let's let, let me find a day that we can just literally shut it down and, um, and have someone answer the phone. And that's what happened. And so, you know, that's valuing people that shows everyone, even the receptionist that she was an important part of the conversation. Well, she's going to go to the mat for that leader because he's including her. Right. Because the people that weigh in tend to buy in, right? I love that phrase. So they all now have ownership because they got to speak into those values. Now it's like, well, I was part of the one that created that. So I better live that. (laughs) Oh, such good stuff. Well, Sam, you got a bunch of listeners who are hungry to grow forward. What? couple of action items, would you encourage them to take this very month to be all that they can be in their personal leadership development? Okay. So let's, you know, first of all, we've talked about values a lot. Go get, go to valuesworksheet.com. Yes. Even if you have a set of values and run them back through there. And yes, this is the litmus test. Okay. And, and that's gonna, that's gonna really help you. And then each and every morning for the next 30 days, take 60 seconds and read your values and, and then take 60 seconds more and go, okay, where did these show up yesterday? Where could they show up more? And start your day with that intentionality. It'll change. You'll, you'll see your actions change throughout the day. It's really powerful. Great question. Where could my values show up more? Love that. Well, Sam, last questions for you. What do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development? Thank you for the valuesworksheet.com resource. What else would you recommend and how can our GFT listeners better contact you? Okay. Um, Two sites that are really important are uh, the accountabilityinstitute.com. And that's where the Accountability Institute was formed to create and offers the Certified Accountability Advisor designation. And whether you want someone in your organization to be a Certified Accountability Advisor, or you as a consultant, coach, speaker, want to become a Certified Accountability Advisor and bring all the content that we have into your arsenal, you can find out more about it there. And samsilverstein.com is my personal website. And there's literally hundreds of articles and videos on accountability there as well that you can use either for yourself or use internally in your organization. Oh, Thank you. you know what? I'm going to give every list, your listeners a free book. Here's what we also have. If you t- go to go.theaccountabilityinstitute.com forward slash book, you can get a free copy of my latest book, The Theory of Accountability. We're only mailing the real book. You only have to pay for the shipping. We're mailing it in the in the United States, if you're out of the United States, you can download the ebook. 
So anyone that's listening can get a free copy of that book at go.theaccountabilityinstitute.com forward slash book. Oh, man, that was so generous. I have done that, listeners, myself. I can't wait to dive into the book myself. Sam, you've added so much in value to us today. And I'm knowing that if, if everyone applies what you have taught today, uh, we're going to have better workplaces, happier people, and we're going to even make more profit. Here we go. Thank you, Paul. So I have some takeaways from Sam today. A lot of keepers here worth mentioning. One of the first things Sam said was your unique purpose is the thing that brings us joy in the service of others. Wow, just think about that for yourself. What is your unique purpose? What what brings you joy in the service of others? He also talked about a leader's main job is to create this environment where people feel safe and successful. And as a leader, you must protect and defend the culture. A lot of great stuff on culture. You'll probably want to rewind that. And then, of course, the valuesworksheet.com is going to really help ground you on your own personal values and get you started on rallying your team around coming up with these values that everyone wants to live according to. The GFT podcast is all about putting practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. And remember, if you learn something and don't put it into action within 72 hours, those valuable gems start to slip out of your brain gradually until they lose their value to your life. Thank you for listening to episode 20. Have you told your Achiever friends about this podcast yet? Please spread the word to those who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you've got to personally develop yourself well before you can lead your team well. Until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.